Okay, this is my first episode of the year, and today we have Mick Lynch. Yeah, hi, Mick. Hey. Uh, Mick knows that beginning of every episode we dedicate. So, Mick, what would you like to dedicate this episode to? I can dedicate it to a person. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I would like to dedicate this episode to my uh, partner of almost two years, uh, Jalan. I am going to send this to her and hopefully she'll listen to it. But hopefully, right. Hopefully. Just wanna, I just want to dedicate this to her. She just got into uh, the college that she really was hoping to go to. So That's kind of the refreshing right. moment. Like, please, I want to get it. You send yeah. all these out. Oh, yeah. Like, I want to get the one. one. Such and a relief. They, yeah. Right. <laughs> Um, if I could do a dedication, I'd like to dedicate to my sister. It's her birthday today. Woo! Yeah, happy birthday. So my one and, old, one and only sibling, my sister. So happy birthday to Natalie. Yeah. Happy birthday, Natalie. Let's get the show started. Hello and welcome to another episode of the St. Paul Filmcast with your host, Nick Palatichuk. Each episode, Nick interviews filmmakers and other artists from the Twin Cities area. I'm Carly Palillo and thanks for listening. And thanks for finding us. Please give us a review and feel free to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And now, lights, camera, action. All right, welcome back to the show. Today we have Mick. Hi. Uh, Mick has just recently composed music for... Uh, Life at the Lake, a short film that Tessa Toriano did. Okay. Uh, and the entire, all the music scoring is from you? Right. Yes, it is. There's actually well, we have a, a song featured at the beginning, kind of diegetically. It's on the radio in a car that is by um, a local artist. All right. Called. Well, that's okay. I'll let. Well, so the most of the music is composed from you, but except for the the song that's in the car. Yeah, there's a song in the very beginning that's not right. Not me, but all all of the the music, the original music, is is by uh, me, and that was a really fun. Um, right. film that we did and that was for the fifty uh, fifty uh, Hallow's Eve festival locally, which is a yeah fun little festival. And they they're one of the ones that does the little award ceremonies and stuff, kind of like like Z Fest does. And my score won best original score at that, so that was really fun. Absolutely fantastic. So they they have to give you some kind of paperwork, like a little certificate, like a. Something they like did. That. It's on the wall in my studio now, <laughs> okay, which right. is the, yeah. All right. Um, and of course, music is not something you've been doing. This is something not really new. This is something you've been doing for a while, right? No, even though I, you're a young person. Yeah, I, I grew up in a very musical household. My mom is a huge you know music fan and my dad is a, a songwriter and composer as well okay. um and he kind of you know has been a good role model to me throughout my life because he's always been someone who's kind of put you know creativity above like commercial success and i think that that was something that you know well, is it something that you gravitate to even though it's been around your yeah, yeah. Side, right. It's something that you just naturally gravitated to y as well. Yeah, and the yeah. the way that I actually started writing music was um it it was always kind of set that I wanted to write music uh to kind of go along with storytelling as opposed to just kind of like you know, doing like a singer-songwriter thing or or writing for somebody because yeah. the the way that I first started composing music was I would compose uh background music for my friends and I's uh, 
weekly D&D sessions. <laughs> and that I, would, I yeah, it. like I would write like, okay, it's this will be very foreboding, the, probably this, like yeah. very Viking. <laughs> this will be the, the battle theme and this will be the, we'll, we'll use this during our sessions. And that was kind of my, how yeah. I first started writing music. And I, I was always drawn to film scores as a kid and I, I didn't know why. And I've kind of come recently, you know, as I start to do it professionally to realize that, that my, favorite thing about music and what I find fun about music is the ability to interpret other kind of forms of art and, and storytelling into music. Yeah. And I feel like when I am, am given a project, I see it less as like, I have to express myself or come up with something for this and more as I'm sort of some sort of detective that has to find the music that's already in there. Yeah. It almost, um, as a way for me as a background being in a band and being music and um if you didn't know i grew up without a television in my in my household oh I was like really seven years old so the, uh, my only entertainment form of entertainment was records and the radio i mean obviously i could go to my friend's house and watch tv fairly want to but there was no access to visible even though i like visible so naturally i like music and you i think if you pay attention to music first and foremost even though you're a visual person it pops out to you, the music in movies a little more. It's not so much because I like talking. Oh, do you like that film score? I didn't. I wasn't aware there was one. Oh yeah, for us, I, know, yeah. I think for yeah, us, I it, you get it right away. But there is something attached to the performance that there is something in there as well. Not to mention the absence of it. Sometimes I can catch mm-hmm. like, wow, there's no music in this. This is a little more frightening. Yeah, and it's it's something that a lot of uh, clients of mine and filmmakers that I work with will come to me and say that they want a sequence without music as though they're like breaking some terrible news to me <laughs> like <laughs> hey so hear me out we're thinking we're not gonna have music for this sequence i know i know and I, I i feel like that it's it's kind of this this misconception among filmmakers that composers want to have as much music as possible to to put to fill it right. to the screen and, and i think that there's more you know common thought between us as to how the lack of music or the scarcity of music can enhance both the music that there that's there and the you know pacing of the the film itself right it's also that you have to be careful because it's a delicate process of musical scoring is not too much when to play it but what to play yeah as oh yeah almost as set as well as complementing the acting much like set design yeah it's far more difficult it has a little more understanding and un- you got to understand m- music in movies is like somebody said it's like 70 percent of the movie <laughs> yeah oh yeah right we hear it far more than we see it and my pitch always has been People will watch anything. They really will watch anything. They won't listen to everything. Absolutely. If yeah. a key or something is a little more off, it's a tempo. If something is just not playing right, people will turn it off right away. Microphone settings. If my microphone setting is off and people put it in their earbuds, we're done, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's very important to pay attention musically, especially when you're doing film. I'm not going to say it's you have to pay attention far more than just like, oh, right, we have to do a score for this. Yeah. And I think if you wanted to sit down with 
doing a process of movies, anybody listening to one of the movies, think music right away. Absolutely. And I, yeah. yeah, I find that, you know, my best work is done when I am working with the, the director or, or if I end up working more closely with a, a producer or something or whatever, if I'm on the film, you know, from pre-production and have all that time to sort of get right. familiar with, with what their vision is and what they're trying to do, it, it, it makes it much more you know, personal to me and makes it much easier to interpret what, what they want out of it. And and the closer I work with a director, I find that that is, you know, where my, my best work comes from. So you already have a, like a studio set up? I do. I have a, I have a, a home studio that I take a lot of pride in. And <laughs> right. I, I, to me, I find that it's much more important to my process to have a space that I feel inspires me than it is to have you know a space that is you know super high tech and perfect for my right. workflow like I I you know well I, I do storyboards and I do comic books and I do films so this is why we're surrounded by comic books. oh yeah of course yeah. and <laughs> Yeah. I, yeah, I just find that, you know, having a an inspiring atmosphere is just as important as having, like, good equipment and, and stuff like that. Like, I, I feel like I would work better in some sort of gothic manner with just a piano and a laptop than I would in, like, a gray, drab studio with all the equipment that I could ever want. I always come by music as almost... And you mentioned detective, and this is what popped back in my brain. When composing a, a music, it's almost like you answering a question and then you answer it. Yeah, it's almost like da 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 da. Yeah, exactly. It's almost like you asking a question out there, and sometimes the entire song, almost the majority of the song, is asking a question, and then you finally at the end answer it. Or you can play with the construct of maybe you're answering, then you go question. So there, I, that's kind of my philosophy with music. I don't know if that you could share that or there's another different approach for you. No, I, I definitely share that. And that's something that um, I, I bought uh, a masterclass subscription at okay. the beginning of last year. And that was something that uh, Hans Zimmer talked about in his masterclass that really, really? helped me in, in theme writing, especially like character themes and 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 main themes for for films is you know thinking of each individual little phrase and and move in the in the melody of a theme as a a question or an answer or some kind of you know like each individual phrase is right. saying something and and adding to the one before it and that kind of you know i don't always write like that because that's very very time-consuming as opposed to just you know kind of feeling a melody in my head as opposed to you know thinking about each individual phrase as meaning something yeah um but that is definitely you know when i have the time to work that way i like to because i find that it's it's very satisfying it gives the um theme a whole lot more weight to it when do you like to compose at night during the day middle of the night <laughs> i'm very very much a night night owl i woke up like we're recording this at noon if that's okay for me to say i woke no, up okay. less than yeah. an hour ago and that's you know because i was awake composing at like <laughs> at midnight um 
So I, 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 you know, I have the most energy kind of in the middle of the night. So when you composed, it's primarily on piano, keyboard? Yeah, yeah. I work in, in Logic. Uh, I, I produce and record in Logic Pro. And that's, you know, I, I would say my real instrument is software. Like I, I you know, I... I write my my melodies and my the musical portion on a keyboard but my you know where the real music comes from is being able to have those tools orchestrate and produce and use the know how to use the tools that I have in in software and I think that's something that a, a lot of older composers are afraid of and think is less you know uh creative like uh john williams writes just with a piano and staff paper still yeah yeah. and that's you know i think that every composer kind of approaches it differently and has a different relationship with with technology and for me i really like to work with technology because i just find it inspiring to have you know every type of instrument at my fingerprint uh, or at my fingertips yeah what it was like was it called a moog sympathizer so Moog, the yeah, right. Yeah. I love that they, they invented it and then they brought it to the studio and then it came with an instruction manual and like David Bowie, we took we threw away the instructions. We just yeah, wanted to play. it was yeah. a new instrument to play with, right? Don't tell me how to do it. And I think you're this with software programs. It's all about discovery and experimentation. Right. Yeah. How do we like what's kind of that that thing? And I think right, composing I think is the center base is on a piano, right? That is kind of the kind of the base structure it's almost like he's setting up a house you have to do it on a piano piano is like i I would say it is that way because piano is the easiest instrument to write parts for other instruments on and and the easiest to orchestrate on if i'm if i'm writing something that has a very you know traditional you know hollywood americana orchestra feel to it i'm still writing it on a piano and i'm writing okay now i'm doing the violin part up here I'm doing the cello part down here and it's all yeah. on a piano and it can be adapted to that. Well, so, uh, when you're comp- composing, does it writing first or writing comes second to you? What do you, what do you mean by that? Do you do it musically just discovering on the instrument and then write it down? Or oh, you like write notating? It down? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I usually, I usually notate after I usually write like, so when I'm when I approach a new uh, project, you know, film, video, whatever it is, I start with uh, what I call a sketchbook, which is yeah, where cool. I just just start to uh, both a a literal physical you know sketchbook of staff paper and a digital sketchbook in in Logic, like my timeline, and I just start kind of vomiting out <laughs> themes and ideas that feel like they may fit what I currently am getting from the director as to what the vision is for this. And this is why I like to, you know, be involved from from pre-production is so that I've as much time as possible to work on that sketchbook and get all of the, you know, themes and the the instruments that I want to use before I even have the, you know, picture to score to. So, and usually I, I write like a few minutes of music in my sketchbook of, okay. you know, themes and ideas and instrumentation. And then I move to staff paper and I write 
all of my theme, my main like character themes and and motifs down in there. So I don't I don't typically unless it's like after the film is wrapped and after I'm done and if there's a piece of music from the score that I really like, I don't typically notate full pieces of music. Okay. I just notate my themes and motifs so that I can return to them throughout the score and vary on them. I know, um, especially being a, a writer, um, a lot of writers say you can't, don't listen, don't read other people's books when you're in the process of writing. You kind of do that with music. When you're composing music, do you not listen to other people's music or do you take a break and like go back to some other's composing music to get inspiration or do you just kind of try to create a vacuum for yourself and kind of create that way? I think that as of now, I do, you know, draw a lot of inspiration from existing scores when I'm starting a project. Like I think that kind of like, okay, my baseline for this is I'm going to try to, you know, take this element from this score and take this element from this yeah. score. Uh, I think probably down the line I'll, you know, run out of being able to do that and stay creative with it. Sure. So maybe yeah. I'll start to have to kind of, uh, like you said, create a vacuum for myself. But right now my process is definitely I listen as much as possible to music in the style of, you know, what I'm trying to do. Like uh, one uh, project that I'm working on now is for, uh, do you know Michael Greenberg at all? The name sounds familiar. I don't he's think a, I met in person. Yeah. He's a local filmmaker. He's kind of recently come to, you know, getting his fingers in a lot of pies he's been sure, uh, kinda, right as we all do right yeah he's yeah. been kind of working his way up to this rail now but he's he's making a short film that's kind of a proof of concept for a tv miniseries that he wants to make that's called uh the combination that's about the jewish mafia in minnesota in the 20s which is awesome and i in the twin cities area in right? the twin cities area yeah. yeah yeah and i've been talking to him about that for a while now and he's just now starting pre-production on the the short film that he's hoping to kind of use to help sell the sell it as a mini series um and so i've been sketching out ideas for that and i'm I, already thinking like something choppy choppy and and very yeah very rough and untumble so my my yeah. current I have about eight minutes of music written for that. I haven't, they haven't shot anything. So okay. that's kind of a telling of how I've worked. <laughs> All right, um, yeah. really, don't reveal too many secrets. I have more, yeah. Uh, and so that one, I've gone in a direction where I, I started out thinking like, okay, 20s, you know, mafia movie. Do I want to go very stereotypical, like noir swing vibe for this? And I yeah. started from that direction and then it, quickly shifted because i wanted to focus on so i'm also uh ethnically jewish and i those are roots that i have so that project is kind of very personal and interesting to me so you can probably pull from resources of their familiarity of music yeah, that you've been, yeah absolutely yeah. and so the the direction that it ended up going is i i ended up drawing a lot of inspiration from traditional klezmer music which is like jewish and romanian traditional music which is very very kind of boom, 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 boom. Right. yeah very very manic and has a lot of like uh accordion stuff and and non-conventional uh kind of fiddle playing and it was really cool and and a, and a really cool instrument called the chimbalum that shows up in scores every now and then that is like a 
kind of dulcimer that has this very yeah. resonant kind of bell-like sound. And that's kind of been the primary instrument that I've been working with on this. I always think it's funny that usually it's primarily Minnesotans that we the music is always opposite of what the film is. Coen yeah. Brothers do a marvelous of it's a comedy, but the music is very melodramatic, very sad. Yeah. I'm thinking like Fargo, where you know there's a murder mystery behind Big Lebowski, but the music is also like kind of like the upbeat kind of a funny uptick. It's always like yeah. a contrast of whatever they're trying to convey. And I have seen a lot of times in Minnesota too, like music is always kind of the opposite of what they're trying to do for not so much complimentary, like um, um, Bernard was with Hitchcock, very yeah. complimentary to the scene. But then here in Minnesota, we like to play opposite. Oh, this movie is very funny. Well, it had sad music to go with it. Yeah, I think that, that that contrast is something I play with occasionally, but I have definitely noticed that locally and it's something that I almost kind of, um, petulant about a little bit like I yeah. I kind of want to bring a little bit more you know genuineness and right to, right to more of a little more from some from the whole idea mm -hmm. the concept I would eventually yeah you want to bring a little more from what you experience rather than being opposite more of a complimentary um, especially if it's about the mob you want a little more anxiety in the music as well yeah more. tension is the yeah. is the important thing with that yeah. I, I think for me the the keyword when i approach a score initially and something this changes based on based on what the director wants but to me i always start with atmosphere as opposed yeah. to like you know above narrative above character to me, the most important thing to establish right away is what is the atmosphere that I want to create with this. And that usually yeah. comes from instrumentation more than it does from, you know, the melodic stuff that you're doing. That's interesting because, yeah, what's the atmosphere? Then what are the instruments that will complement to what the atmosphere is? Do Is it the strings? Is it just the horns? Or is it a mixture of both? There is many different avenues to take when you're composing music. Right. Um, I just, you know, like Todd Haynes does with his movies, like May, December and Carol, it's almost a satirical insert of the music Yeah. to make yeah. it punch. There's a great scene in May, December where she's like, I don't think we have enough hot dogs for the party. And the music goes, dun, dun, dun. You know, it <laughs> like compliments it's, how it's responding to the, the dialogue. Yeah. yeah. But also it's. How ridiculous is is this person? Yeah, <laughs> this is the most dramatic thing happening to this person in like, their in their head. Where they should not be worrying about that, rather than how she meant how she's handling this life that she's constructed, but, yeah. right? And that's totally yeah. Especially if you're doing something comedic, how you're gonna play a part? Is it gonna be, you know, serious or? You, you know, like Airplane, it almost feels like it wants to win an Oscar. The music does. The God, I love that movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great movie. I heard. That's, like my, that that's movie my, entire, that's my yeah. most quoted movie, I think, day to day. Airplane? Is right? Airplane. Um, you haven't heard me quote Airplane. But that music, <laughs> that mu the entire music is like it's almost trying to win an Oscar. It's yeah, like, it's dun, so dun, dun, intense. Dun. Yeah. Yeah. It's not funny at all. Or like Mel Brooks told him, like, no, I'm really making a real authentic Western so you can get that <laughs> Western song for Blade and Sound. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't tell the composer that it was a comedy. No, no, yeah. I'm really making a Western. <laughs> I think um, yeah. some, a very good piece of advice that I received, I went to a workshop in L.A. last summer with, oh, really? some, with some pretty 
big name composers that was really exciting to meet and work with them. And uh, a bit of advice that I received, I believe, from uh, Stephanie Economou, who is a, a composer who, who works a lot out there. She won the first Grammy for video game music. Fantastic. Which is cool. And she gave, you know, me and the other folks at this workshop a great piece of advice, which is you should never try to write funny music like you never yeah no matter how funny the film is you want to if, if there's a, a humorous moment you want to do your best to just give it space and kind of comedies are i find like the hardest to to score i think so too because you're trying to get the laugh out of people yeah but also you have to make it part of the atmosphere right you have Especially to match the comedic satire, timing you have yeah. to pitch into what the satire is mm-hmm. Are we doing satire to a Western? Well, we have to do a Western kind of a thing. Right? And I kind of started out in comedies, too. So it was like the, the first couple short films that I did here in town were, you know, little like kind of family comedy ones. The The first film that I scored ever, I just, when I was first starting out a year ago, the first thing that I was ever like actually hired to score was uh, friend of the show, Kyle Thornton's, uh, he produced a film called Paprika for yeah. Z Fest, and he reached out to me. We just had Kyle in, on the show. Yeah, Kyle in Japan, right? Yeah. yeah. I worked with Japan too on my second film that I did. Yeah, Kyle is wonderful to work with. I think he's a great collaborator. Mm-hmm. I think he's fantastic to work with because he understands, you know, you ha- it's almost you have to understand where people are coming from but also mm-hmm. what do they work at and I, I do that when I do it a film what is your great talent I want to see it on film because if mm-hmm. I'm doing movie where there and I, I talked as many times before I did a short film where the entire film did not recall or did not demand anybody to dance but I had two actresses and an actor who are coming from backgrounds in dance mm-hmm. we had to put it in there I mean, yeah. you just had to. You had to play to their strengths. Play yeah. to their strengths yeah. and show off your talents and skills, right? We had to put it, find some way to get them to dance, right? If I had John Travolta on a movie, I'll find some way to get him to dance. <laughs> and, <laughs> and talk about the virtues of Scientology. Yeah, also. you probably will too, right? Yeah, yeah. But play to strengths, right? And then, mm-hmm. yeah, we're talking about the musical theory is, like you said, it's complementing the film. The other aspect I always talk with movies, it's not the, and I mentioned it, um, the, uh, I can't remember the professor's name, and he's absolutely right. It's not the psychology of the characters, it's the psychology of the audience, what the audience wants mm-hmm. and what they're expecting. Not so much what the film needs, but what the audience needs for the film. And what they, what they take away from it, yeah. you know, in the end, yeah. Yeah, and I think it, if people understand that, from that perspective, the psychology of the audience, what they are looking for, you know, I think it makes it a little more understanding of where you want to do with the music as well. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So do you still watch movies? No. I hate <laughs> movies. <laughs> no, that's not true at all. I, I love movies. I've actually met people who have a profound disdain for movies, and I, I'm flabbergasted. So... I don't know what their experience. I don't, you know, because everybody, everybody likes movies. That's it's, and it's yeah. weird. I've met people that just like, no, I don't like them. Right. It's so strange to to kind of 
write off an entire art form of any kind. I agree. Like I same with like I'm a big big video game fan, especially of like yeah. narrative games and you know indie games. I don't know how deep you are in in I video games. I had to quit video games. Really? I had a really strong addiction to it. I see. That makes really sense. Did. Yeah. I was not getting anything done in my life. <laughs> I really was. I quit in like 2007 just because I'd come home from work and all of a sudden it's midnight and I'm on, yeah, playing video games. What was, added, your, what was your poison? Um, this is 2007, so I was pretty much doing first persons. Like Halo and... Doom 3 and came out and stuff Doom like that. Doom 3, oh yeah. yeah. So I had to like take a real investment like, you know, I want to get back to my writing, which I really wanted to do and that's falling out of time. Mm -hmm. I understand video games. And I understand the. It's fantastic, and I love it. It's almost like you're being in a movie. I think yeah, yeah. That's that's my thing is I think it's it's such a burgeoning art form. Like it's something that yeah. people are just recently coming to recognize as a like genuine form of creative expression. If I and think if I went back to it, I have to set a timer. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> I would have to set yeah. a timer for thirty minutes. Maybe I like, can I can sell you on getting back into video games and <laughs> and uh, moderating. Yeah. Yeah, that, well, that's the reason why I'm not on Twitch, and I know a lot of people podcast from Twitch. Oh, yeah, yeah. Twitch started out as video gaming. Yeah, a platform yeah. for streaming, yeah. yeah. I think, like, like video games and animated movies, I think, are, you know, f such beautiful forms of artistic expression that people write off frequently and are just kind of coming to be recognized for how amazing they are. Like, like the fact that animated movies have their own like categories that they're kind of walled off in in like yeah. the oscars and the golden globes really upsets me and i feel like with with the like live action remake trends happening recently it, it just it feels like this fallacy that animated movies are somehow like a lesser medium it always been treated like that but almost because kids right I've yeah. had this argument with comic books. I mean, comic books aren't just for children. Obviously, if you want to invest in superheroes, you have a, a rape. But there are horror comic books. There are romance comic books. Absolutely, there's yeah. There's westerns. There's detective ones. Um, so writing off, yeah, just one thing just because of, a, we call it the single story. People get wrapped up in a single story where they've seen one animation film, they didn't like it, so they judged the entire movie. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Someone sees Trolls World Tour, and they're like, oh, this is what animated movies are. This is, exactly, yeah, yeah. they're all for kids, and they're all manic and crazy. But yeah. so there are so many, and it's, it's so much harder to make a great movie that can also be for kids, that, and that's what animated movies often, often have to do, that it's even more of an achievement in my eyes, like something like Spider-Verse or, or right. you can anything do things like, like that. Even still today with a green screen, you can't do that Spider-Verse. Spider Absolutely. Project. You're jumping into worlds and stuff like that. As well as, you know, Rick and Morty, they can play with different concepts very quickly. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, I haven't even talked about animated TV shows. Those yeah. two are great. Um, and you can explore certain things. I, I think if you want to do you know, everything, everywhere, all at once, you could probably very easily make that into an animated film. Yeah, and I, I think that's kind of the thing that people get caught up in is like, an animated movie is only worthwhile if it's doing something that can only be done in animation. And I don't, I feel like that's a weird 
perspective to take, you know? Like yeah. you don't you wouldn't say that about live action, you wouldn't say that about a comic book. Or people probably would say that about a comic book. But uh Well the only the only <laughs> handicap I don't, that's not the right word. The only limitation that you have for a comic book compared to movie is time. Yeah, it doesn't when cost any more money to have more characters in a comic book unless you have yeah. to like buy the production, rights to yeah, them. Yeah, production ways, but all inside the story as well. That's what I was trying to convey. Oh, I see. You have a person mourning somebody on a film. You want to hold that scene. Where a comic book, you can't fill up an entire page mm -hmm. of that. You could probably do a single panel of that and move on from there. And that's where comic books has a little bit of a limitation to it is to hold something little more because you don't have sound you don't have a moving thing and that's why it's so action oriented although oh sorry you you yeah said, go on well i was gonna say i grew up reading comics and i feel like i do like when you know comic book writers do play with you know the space of of the panels and stuff like uh bendis would do that with like the uh, ultimate Spider-Man, right? Where he was kind of famous for what's in between the panels. having a bunch of blank, like yeah. uh, time kind of standing still and, and, you know, very slow paced comics, which is not something that you'd see a lot, but, or the nine panel design. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Does that yeah. Ag agitates people. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but even when he does that, holds nine pages of just a simple sequence of, uh, two people talking you have to flip it right it's almost like you can't just hold one can't hold the camera in action you have to have yeah. some kind of reiteration unless there's an intent for and mitch does that too of just a clone of vapor panel yeah yeah and, ben, and bendis does that a lot as well yeah. i think um i don't know i really like comics that are slow paced like i like my i think my favorite comic run of all time is probably batman year one and I really like the right it takes very, a while for Batman. Very deliberate, slow nature of of that that the slow unfolding of that that story. Yeah, Batman's. It's hard to me to tell people. It's not really about Batman. No, it, it's more about the problems he has to confront. You can have an entire movie of not having Batman until he jumps through the glass window and rescues somebody, and then boom, it's a Batman movie. I right. like, although I like the breaking of that convention too. I like when there is kind of a character study of of Batman, but I think that only works when you don't often focus on that. Yeah, you know. Yeah. All right, we got to take a little break, um, and then we'll come back more with Mick. Uh, before I go, Mick, what is your favorite instrument? If I can put you on the pedestal, put on the spot here. What's your favorite instrument? I like weird instruments. I recently got a bowed psaltery, which is a what weird dulcimer, droning dulcimer that you can bow and hammer. So that's my current favorite instrument to play with. Nice. I like weird instruments. All right. I'm going to go <laughs> Google that, and we'll be right back. Hey, welcome to the last Comic Shop Podcast. A comic book podcast that actually talks about comics. Yep. Each week we open the shop up and read and discuss a comic. Sometimes we pair that up with comic book movies or TV shows. Or not. Lots of times it's just comic books and sound effects. Oh, yes. Definitely lots of sound effects. So tune in on all the major podcasting platforms to the Last Comic Shop Podcast. Or check out our library of evergreen shows at www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. Welcome back. And now more with the show. 
All right, we're back with the show. And to, uh, right now, Mick wants to ask about favorite film scores. Well, I want to ask you first before I answer you. Do you have a particular film score that's kind of your favorite? Do you have a, like a top 10 listing? or? Well, I mean, I'll, I have a couple that I'll kind of... We can kind of go back and forth here, but all right, first you want to throw it back to me? Yeah. Well, I, I can uh, start. Uh, I think my if I had to pick like one that really shaped me as a composer and really sure. kind of got me, you know, showed me the potential of of film music, um, is uh, Zimmer's score for Sherlock Holmes with Robert really? Downey Jr. and Jude Law. That score has such a it kind of has a similar kind of like Eastern European feel to what I was talking about with, with the combination that I'm working on right now. Okay. And it's just, is such unique instrumentation and such, it's just very, very experimental. And I, that's what I, you know, am always drawn to is what's the most kind of, I have to go back and listen to that. I also love those movies just in general. I know people kind of, you know, have their problems with them and they're flawed, but those are like the first one is uh, just Sherlock Holmes is probably like top five of my favorite movies. Okay, right, yeah, I have to go back and listen to that. There, it's really cool. I'll send it to you after after the show. <laughs> I know I've seen the movie. I know I've seen it, but that was back when I like Benedict Cumberbatch as Sherlock, and so it took me a long. I time. think he's he's a better you know. I liked yeah. the manic energy of Robert Downey Jr.'s, but Benedict Cumberbatch. At the core, Sherlock is a jerk. Yeah, at the core, <laughs> he's, he's the an worst. Absolute jerk. Yeah, and the reason is it probably because he's so bored. Yeah, he's, he's, he'll never be satisfied. There's no, really no mystery involved. That's why he gets excited about a, a real mm-hmm. tangible mystery because he's so bored with mm-hmm. knowing everything that's going around. Right. So you want to ask me about my favorite film score? Yeah. Oh, the, the ultimate Lawrence Arabia. Lawrence that's, of Arabia. Yes. Yeah, that's the greatest one of all time. That's no, that's fair. It's amazing how a sweeping epic movie is simply asking a question: Who are you? Mm-hmm. And he's trying to figure out who am I? Am I a very important person? Am I ordinary? Am I extraordinary? He's trying to investigate it, and not to mention that great scene of him when he finally puts on the robe, and he's out in the desert, and mm-hmm. he's like wants to see himself, so he pulls out his knife. It's very metaphorical because this is the yeah. weapon he's going to use to as enemies, but it's also so, yeah. the weapon, the thing he uses to see what he looks like. Then as tries he's the cape thing, himself. like yeah. Every, yeah. <laughs> I think I've yeah. S- I saw that movie in a hotel, in like a just on a hotel cable channel, and that yeah. was the first time I saw that movie. <laughs> One of the greatest scenes is the most quiet though, is when that that nomad comes up, sees Lawrence on the on the up top oh, of the sand dune. He goes, yeah. "Who are you?" And Lawrence takes a second to answer it because he still hasn't figured out who he is. And we understand it. We understand. Oh, yeah, that's right. What are you going to say? Mm-hmm. This are is you? the this is the question that it's all kind of built around. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's always the question in movies, right? Who are you? Yeah, I mean, every yeah. every movie should kind of be asking a question. You know, right? We all, I always talk about it with my film crews. You have to be searching for your authentic self. Mm-hmm. Whether it's, you know, have to go in through this long crucible, whether it's just manufacturing things, it's every movie, it's all, are you searching for your authentic self? Right. And I think sometimes musically is something that's complementing that search. Right. Also, every movie is talked about a trap. Yeah. I think every movie can be called trapped. <laughs> yeah. 
are you coming out of it? Or, you know, Kurt Vonnegut uh, calls it man in the hole. Yeah. He comes out of the hole, better person. But it's also the confines are trapped. The thing, which is a simple music score, boom, 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 yeah. boom. They're trapped. Horror is all about confinement, right? Mm-hmm. And it's um, whether you're in a space or confined into your your own mind or something like that. So, There's something you're trying to escape from, yeah. you know, in one way or another. Yeah. So I always look when I critique movies as well being a film critic as the movie searching for the authentic self. They're trying to try to fight the confines of something, whether it's authority or the confines of the environment or the limitations and trying to exceed it. Um, and that's crucial, I think, for especially for American storytelling. I don't think it's crucial for a lot of foreign films, but especially for American films. It's always mm-hmm. about, are you getting out of your trap? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So do you have another film score? My God, I have to look up the other one. I do love Hans Zimmer because he's he's very much, he, it's very lazy to say it's it's easy. It's just maybe two notes. But it's very complimentary. I like him because yeah. he experiments, you know. He he always does something new. Like Dune was phenomenal, the score for that, the, yeah. the recent Dune movie. Um, well, I know I, we're not a visual format, but you very much remind me of Paul. <laughs> I do. I have a very haunted Victorian boy. Uh, yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you've seen everybody's seen you, you do like exactly how I describe Paul in the book, right? That's true. Yeah, maybe they should have got me in there. I, yeah. I, I made a, I had a, I think a Facebook post a little while ago about based on the Bradley Cooper wearing the prosthetic nose and Maestro, where I said, when they make my movie, can they just put Timothy Chalamet in the biggest? Uh, Right. prosthetic nose they can find you're gonna have to get a movie with you and timothy as brothers yeah like that, right? yeah searching for the my, my acting debut yeah yeah but uh let's see if i had to pick another i think my i mean my favorite movies often coincide with my favorite scores because sure. you know that's the most important thing to me my, my second favorite is north by northwest oh that's a fantastic is that yeah. herman yeah it is right. herman. Yeah. herman i would say herman is one of my two biggest inspirations as a composer and the other one is the composer of the score that i'm about to bring out which is i would say my favorite movie ever is um miyazaki's princess mononoke really is i would say my like with a bullet my favorite movie ever made it's just everything about it and and the score is phenomenal like joe hisaishi is the is the other composer that is like my absolutely my hero it's wonderful because a lot of people animation they don't think music right and then he just brings it every time yeah i think in i know i don't want to i think more of a japanese culture is americans when you're demonized it's inside when you're possessed demonic mm-hmm. you talk about it's inside coming out in japanese the opposite it cloaks you trying to get in mm-hmm. i think in japanese culture you can never contaminate your soul but it's american very western belief that you can contaminate the soul and i think princess monoki the monster it, it, the demons it's are being overtaken and overtaken. sort of drowned and yeah 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 and it's a wonderful film and that's not the whole core of the movie right it's her searching for her authentic self. Yeah, exactly. And that's, yeah, I think that's that's a good, you know, high watermark for any 
good movie is whether there is, you know, a journey to f- to find yourself and yeah. find who you are is like the, you know, it's the human struggle. It's everybody can relate to that. Yeah. And the third element is um, another philosophy for me is uh, are you fulfilling a destin- destiny role mm-hmm. or are you fighting your destiny? I think. People, who are you supposed to be? Yeah. Like, in yeah. In relation to who you really are. Yeah. Um, and that's at, at core of everything you watch. I mean, you go home and watch that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. I think it's fascinating. Yeah. I would never mention, think about an animated film being one of your inspirations um, for film scoring because not a lot of people think. I love animation. Yeah. Another one of them is a, a 3D animated movie that kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier of like the struggle of being just a very, very good movie that also is, you know, marketed to kids and is, is written for awesome. kids to be able to understand is a movie that I grew up with and is very true to my heart is uh, How to Train Your Dragon. Have you seen those at all oh, recently? Sure. Uh, I haven't seen three. Sorry. <laughs> uh, that I just I'm two. really just thinking of the first one. The the music in that is just phenomenal. Like the it's some of the finest like and it was kind of able to to break that barrier of like not just being seen as a kids movie or a soundtrack to a kids movie where that is like lauded among composers as like this is incredible like uh, it's it's yeah. maybe the finest example of like thematic writing, like like right. composing using a lot of character themes and recurring motifs. Um, yeah, that's that's a that's a movie and a score that is is very dear to my heart. And it's very hard for me. I'm I'm going to be forty seven this year. Not to mention a John Williams movie. I mean, yeah, that's what I grew up with, around with, constantly, especially being with Spielberg and Lucas. That's just. It's almost like a second nature thing that he's such a integrated for the movies that I grew up with that, that he is part of. Um, right. Do you, now, Do you have a favorite of, John Williams score? Oh, uh, gosh. I would, you know what? I would go out of the venture and I'd say Superman. Really? The Christopher yeah. Reeves? Yeah. Or I guess that's Yeah, the, the Christopher Reeves Superman yeah. movie. Yeah. That's, without that music, it's it's silly, right? That's <laughs> yeah. yeah. Without oh, the music, yeah. it's very heroic, and it has a little touch of hope into it. Yeah. yeah. No, that's a great. Yeah, that is a great score. Right, and I love. I mean, Tarantino talks about Superman is the only superhero when he is a superhero is his authentic self. Mm-hmm. He has to pretend to be ordinary. Yeah. <laughs> his costume is authentically who he is. When he goes out in the world, that's who he is, and then he has to hide that. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, there's a, there's an element of that to Batman too, where yeah, there's a, a lot great. Of, a lot of people talk about like he is the he thinks of himself in his head as Batman mm-hmm. and not as Bruce Wayne. And He's I think not that's com- well, the the recent movie, the Batman. I think showed a little bit better. I really love that movie. Comfortable being Bruce. I liked yeah. the the way that that movie kind of the idea of like what is it like when he's just starting out and before he's realized you know how useful that disguise of bruce wayne can yeah. be it's very much like um i said that movie got a little more inspiration from old boy where it's very oh, clumsy yeah. it's not choreographed fighting it's very much gritty, brutal brutal and, fighting yeah yeah and how it can just take a toll on you i really that's my yeah. favorite batman movie i think 
I like yeah. the Christopher. I know that's a All bold the music plan. of it. I, how did that not get nominated? I know that was insane. How, <laughs> I I like the the Christopher Nolan movies, but like what we talked about, like I'm a sucker for whenever, you know, you finally get a true character study of yeah. Batman, and that I, I have to write a letter to the Academy because I think with the film critics, with us film critics, Minnesota Film Critics Alliance, mm-hmm. it got best film score. It was phenomenal, Batman. and that's that's yeah. another example of like how it's not complexity that makes a good score because that his theme in that was two notes it was and it's the it's the slight pause yeah it's answering question and then right before it answers it back it takes a second yeah the opening 10 minutes of that movie are some of like the just best comic book movie I've ever seen. Like the right. slow build of the reveal of him is. I, so... And I we're surrounded by Batman. I've grew up with this guy for many years. I absolutely love that he didn't swing in to, because constantly portrayed that he swings in from the yeah. sky, breaks through the window, breaks through the window. Instead, he just comes out of a slowly doorway. walking, and you hear his footsteps. And that that is such a brilliant like idea that the thing that he is working with right now above everything else is just the ability to you know invoke fear and yeah. to this yeah, yeah. That, that i didn't wear my shirt today great. i have a shirt that says it's halloween every night in gotham city mm. <laughs> That's i wear it every halloween it's halloween every night yeah. in gotham city i used to have a shirt that i, I can't wear it because i wear it at a school that it says batman won't, won't kill you but he'll feed you your kneecaps <laughs> It's true. Which At you least one of them. Please just kill me. No, I'm not going to kill you. That's, I have morals. I'll just... Batman won't kill you, but the hospital bills will. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's actually, yeah, if we talk about the, the psychologically of Batman, um, he actually feels comfortable being Batman. Yeah. And all his, That's when he yeah. feels most his true self. His, his authentic self. Yeah. Yeah. And everything above ground is a shirt. You know, everything being Bruce is a charade. But I mean, the difference between that and like what you're talking about is su- of Superman is, uh, you know, he built Batman, whereas Superman is Superman and he had to build Clark Kent. Yeah. And that's, yeah. We always think of Superman as can fly and everything, but he's not, it's not a cosmic story. It's no. very part of city life. That's what I think that that um, a lot of f- filmmakers and people adapting Superman miss is yeah. th- that like I I really I watched Man of Steel and I didn't really like it because it felt like it it didn't understand that Superman is Superman was raised as a human and he yeah. thinks like a human and he wants his problems are human problems and right, not yeah. cosmic alien problems. Initially, he was fighting slum landlords. Yeah. Um, the you know people kidding kicking out the minorities and stuff like that that that's what mm-hmm. his real battle was not so much cosmic forces um mm. and then his understanding that that's why he's a team leader he needed a team no matter what he can do his greatest thing is he understands he needs help yeah which is the most awkward thing for humans to do is to say, ask for help ask yeah. for help which is why he's always in charge of the justice league which is kind of weird because batman's an introvert <laughs> 
He doesn't want to be part of a team. And he will never ask for help, he ever. Oh, he'd be drowning and try to figure, get, him, get away from me, I'll figure it out. <laughs> right, which is kind of awkward how they did the Justice League of him rounding up people, which is like, this is kind of the opposite of what that no, is. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. Do you have a favorite superhero? Other than... I mean, I think, like, as a character, it would be... There, I have a few answers from different yeah. perspectives. Like, as a character, I think Batman... Is is the most intriguing to me, and the 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 very gothic atmosphere of Batman stories always is very striking to me. Yeah. I think like as a as a inspiration to me, and and who I always looked up to growing up is Spider Man, obviously, because just that. It never works out for him in his personal life. <laughs> no, not Even at all. For Miles, he always has to to it works sacrifice. out in the end when he's Spider Man. Yeah, but in his personal life, it never works out. Yeah, right. And the Green Goblin did far worse things to Spider-Man than to Joker ever did to Batman. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. What uh, I I the comics that I read the most growing up were I collected Doctor Strange comics because I just I very much was more drawn to the mystical and weird than to the more that's you know sci-fi. And that's one thing I don't have a lot of. Is Doctor Strange? I'll lend you some. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just love his absolute stubbornness. It's yeah, it's like he's—that's Batman's stubbornness of I can do it no matter. Yeah, even if I screw everything up, I can fix it. He's just done with everything. Like that's right. just his like. Yes. Okay, I guess I have to banish another demon. Fine. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, I always, I always loved Doctor Strange growing up. I would say if, if I had to pick my like favorite superhero, I would say that just because that's the one that I, you know, gravitate towards. Gravitate towards. Yeah. And I, I really liked that that last Doctor Strange movie that Sam Raimi did for the MCU. It was a weird. Right. I, I think a lot of people, if they didn't know Sam Raimi, didn't know what they're getting into. And I knew Sam Raimi. Or, or yeah. Doctor Strange comics, because I felt yeah. like the first Doctor Strange movie in the MCU was, you know, very much a like you know paint by numbers mcu right. origin story and it didn't really delve into the like weirdness and the horror that dr strange comics usually are it does dance on horror i know yeah from just I, the I, comics yeah. yeah oh yeah yeah well mick i have to say thanks for coming man absolutely it's been just just it's wonderful been an hour. to be here we've been it's doing been this an for hour. an hour what i know i, know. I feel like um, i just got here well, thanks for coming. Um, and before, what was the movie again? The la the latest movie, uh, Life at the Lake, is what it's called. And um, how can people reach out to you? How can people find you? I'm on Instagram as at Mick Lynch Composer, and I'm on Facebook just as Mick Lynch. If you're here in the cities, we have mutual friends. <laughs> and uh, I'm on I'm on YouTube as Mick Lynch Composer, and I upload. Um, All right, sweets. We'll put the link on that. I upload sweets from most of the scores that I do from my from my sketchbook that I arrange into pieces of music. I love it. All right. Well, once again, thanks for coming and it's not over till the guest says it's over. It's over. Oh yeah, that's it. <laughs>